Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to seek God's presence and serve God's people. Now, let's get to the message. All right. So we are going to finalize our sermon series for the month called One Another. Anybody remember the Greek word for one another? Let's go. As a pastor, I feel so proud that I was able to teach you some Greek this month. Well, we're gonna do some more Greek words today, some that are a bit harder to pronounce. I won't do it well, so I won't expect all of us together to do it well, but we're gonna do our best. So one another is the topic of conversation that we've had now for the last four weeks, and we started by pointing out that there are 100 references to the phrase one another in the New Testament, with 94 of those references uh, being exact scriptures, with 47 of those references being precise commandments. Everybody say commandments. That means they are direct commandments from God to the disciples of Jesus. And if you're a believer, say, that's me. That means we want to listen, pay attention, and obey whenever God speaks and gives us an explicit command for how we are to treat one another. Amen? Amen. And so that's what we've been talking about now for the last month, and I'm excited to wrap it up today because today we're gonna hit on the fourth theme of the four categories of how we can classify the one another phrases in the New Testament. Here are the four categories. Week one, we talked about unity. Everybody say unity. unity. Week two, we talked about love. Everybody say love. love. Last week, we talked about humility. Everybody say humility. And then this week, we're gonna talk about edification in a sermon that I have entitled People Builders. All right? So let me ask you a real, real question. Are you a people builder? Do you build people up or do you knock people down? How you talk to your friends, do you build them up? Do you encourage them? Do you build them up or do you knock them down? How you talk to your spouse? Uh Uh-oh. How you talk to your spouse? How you talk to your wife, sir? How you talk to your husband, ma'am? Do you build him up? Do you build her up or do you tear him down? How you talk to your kids, Dad? Oh, got quiet. (laughs) How you talk to your kids, Mom? Do you build them up? Do you edify them? Or do you tear them down? That's what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna talk about edification from the topic of people builders. So, as you know, I mentioned 100 references in the New Testament to alelon, meaning one another. And I'm gonna do my best to get all of those references completed by the end of this message. So I'm gonna have to move fast, okay? So can you guys stay with me while I move quick? Yes. Awesome. How many of you guys have that drawer in your, uh, I said it properly. Really in Kentucky we say drawer. Drawer, right? That's how you say it? It's the one word that I pronounced correctly. Okay, it's a drawer. So how many of you guys... How many of you guys have that drawer in your kitchen that it's not really meant for anything, but it, it collects everything? You know what I'm talking about? Like, when you're cleaning up, you're tidying up, and then you get all the stuff that doesn't go anywhere, and you're like... You, you know what I mean? So this sermon is going to be like that drawer. All right, I'm going to take all the one another's. I'm going to open that guy up. And we're going to close case on February sermon series because we have been proclaiming, we've been praying, we've been prophesying that this month we level up in our relationships. Well, have you? We've been praying it. We've been believing for it. Have you leveled up in your relationships? I hope you have. So let's hit all of these scriptures. I'm going to start with the most random one. You ready? All right, here we go. In three instances. I know. I know, I know. Listen, if you're sitting next to your spouse, go ahead, reach over, and give them a little holy kiss, just a little tap. No tongue, it's the house of God. 
All right, this appears in three different verses of Scripture, meaning it can be a doctrine. Just saying. Romans 16, 16, 1 Corinthians 16, 20, 2 Corinthians 13, 12. Greet one another with a kiss. Now, I thought this was interesting enough to explain it, okay? So when we see this, greet one another with a kiss, I know it seems a little strange, but in the early church, when they'd come to the house of God, they would sit women with women and men with men. And then they'd serve the Eucharist, they'd take communion, and after they received the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, they would then be led in the sacrament, Augustine said, in the kiss of peace. And so literally, I know it seems strange because it's not culturally applicable to us, but after receiving communion, they'd reach over, they'd give a kiss of peace, or they'd call it a holy kiss, or they'd call it the kiss of love. It was the kiss of shalom. It was another way of saying, shalom, peace be with you. It was a way of communicating to your brother or a way, women, of communicating to your sister, I do not withhold the kiss of peace from you, therefore I do not withhold my heart from you. I am present with you. I'm available to you. I'm in fellowship with you. I'm in communion with you. That's why Augustine called it a sacrament. Now, it's not something that we practice today culturally, and it's not something prescriptive that the Bible requires biblically, like we're not missing it because we don't kiss each other. Okay, so don't think that I'm gonna have a sermon point. Start kissing everybody. Don't do that, all right? Culturally, it ain't gonna work. It's not necessarily about the culture, but it is about the heart intent. Is that we'd have the kind of fellowship with each other where we'd be so open, where we'd be so, dare I say, vulnerable as to offer somebody a kiss. This is why it was so diabolical whenever Judas betrayed Jesus with a it was supposed to be the kiss of peace, and instead it became the kiss of betrayal. It's always the ones closest to you, ain't it? That's what they say. So that's kissing. Kissing in church. A little, that's my sermonette titled, Kissing in Church. All right, let's go to the next one. It's still random, but listen, this is, we talk about the fellowship of the church. We've got to talk about the fellowship of marriage. Hallelujah. Do not deprive. Everybody say one another. Oh. Do not deprive one another. Nobody nudge your spouse, okay? Don't nudge them, all right? Do not deprive. Maybe nudge them. Maybe nudge them. Give them a little wink. Put the kids down for a nap after church. Yeah, man. Don't deprive, I grew up a PK, all right? I'm just gonna tell you, you don't bother mom and dad after church on Sunday, all right? That's a, that's a time when they connect, okay? Um, it's just my testimony. Um, I read this to my wife this morning, felt the Holy Ghost the whole time. I said, Hey, I said, do not, <laughs> do not deprive one another of sexual relations. Listen, men of God, you now have scripture. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't no marriage class. I got a cruise on. Okay, unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for what? For a limited, of time, for a limited amount of time. That's not a long time. It's a limited amount of time. So that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. So if you decide, married couples. Married couples that you want to withhold sexual intimacy with, uh, from one another, it is for a short window of time for the purpose of devotion. So if you ain't praying, you ain't doing it right. And then afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Man, that's a powerful passage of Scripture. Married people, this is what Paul is saying, married people don't withhold sex from one another unless it is seasonal for the purpose of prayer because sleeping with your spouse helps keep one another from sexual temptation. Wow. Wow. All the married people said, that's good. 
Okay, let's go to the next one, 1 Peter 4 and 9. It says this, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. What's the word grumbling mean? It means complaining. Don't complain when you're asked to show love to strangers. Like I looked the Greek term up for hospitality. Here's what it literally means. Love strangers. Love strangers. So when you're given the opportunity to love a stranger, you don't complain about it. I think that's good. What y'all think? Next one. Galatians 6 and 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Burden is the biblical term for weight. What is your friend carrying that's heavy for them? What is your spouse carrying that's too heavy for them to carry alone? Get up under that weight with them. Get up under that burden with them. Help them pray. Help them stay strong. Encourage them. Be a people builder so they can carry what God's asked them to carry well. Romans 14, 13, therefore let us not pass judgment. You know what passing judgment is? Giving opinions about people that are not in alignment with the opinion of God about a person. Do not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother or a sister. Whenever we are highly opinionated people and we're constantly passing judgment, well, they're this and they're that. If that is not what God has declared over their life, Paul is teaching us we're actually impeding their progress to grow and get closer to God. Why put a stumbling block in front of people because you feel the freedom to give your opinion about them? Stop doing that. Come into alignment with what God has to say about them and encourage them in the name of Jesus. Next one, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Y'all with me? I told you I don't have a lot of time, so I'm cruising. Hebrews 10 and 24 says this, and let us consider. It means think about it. How can we stir one another up to love, the word agape, and good works? How can we provoke each other to do righteous deeds? How can we push each other to love people more effectively? Our lives should be a constant inspiration to our sphere of influence about how to treat other human beings. People should watch you work and say, okay, there's obviously an upgrade available for me in how I do relationships. People should watch you at your college campus. Your kids should watch you as you treat your wife in a particular way. Your children should watch you as you treat your husband in a particular way. And you should train them and disciple them in what it looks like to honor, love, and serve other human beings. Your life should be an inspiration. You are a people builder. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. You know what that is? Lies. Big lies. Put off falsehood. Take the lies and toss them. Get them out of here. I don't want to lie on people. Must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. I'm going to go ahead and go to the next one because they have something in common. Colossians 3 and 9. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self. You see that? We've put off the old self, there were, therefore we put off lying. I can't stop lying. I can't help myself. I just lie. It's just a white lie. It ain't no big deal. It's just a small lie. No, it's a lie. And God says, take it and throw it elsewhere because that lie belongs with your old self, your redeemed self, the person that Jesus purchased on the cross of Calvary. Your proclivity is actually to share truth. You don't have a tendency to lie as a Christian. You have a tendency to tell the truth. You actually have to step over your own dead body in order to lie. Some of y'all are going to get that later. You're actually going to have to step over your old self in order to lie because the new self tells the truth even when it costs you something. The new self tells the truth even when people gossip about you. Your new self tells the truth even when people are like, I don't think I want to be friends with you anymore. You told me the truth. I told you the truth because I'm interested in being a people builder. And if I lied to you, I'd just chop you down. But I ain't going to let you live a lie when I know you're called by God. Here's the truth. Loving people looks like telling them the truth. Lying divides. It cuts down, but truth edifies. Truth builds up. People builders are truth tellers. Let's look at another one. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. 
Then we who are alive, who are left, we're gonna be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. My God, this is so good. And so we will always be with the Lord. That's where we're headed, saints. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Remind each other, this world is not your home. This ain't where you're gonna live forever. You're gonna be caught up in the sky one day. You're gonna be in the great cloud of witnesses one day. With those who've gone before us in paradise one day, with the Lord one day, this world ain't our home. These momentary tribulations ain't gonna last. Encourage one another with these words. One day we're gonna be in heaven and we're gonna be with the Lord. Makes everything we do here worth it as we have that eternal perspective. Encourage one another with these words. Jesus is coming back and we're gonna spend eternity with Jesus. <laughs> That's encouraging. First Thessalonians 5 and 11, this is our pilot passage for the day because this is the job description of a people builder. That's what this is. This right here is the job description of a people builder. Therefore, encourage, everybody say encourage. encourage. One another and build, that's a people builder right there. Everybody say edify. edify. One another, just as you are doing, hopefully. Hopefully. Encourage one another and build up one another. This is what we are supposed to do, and this is how we are supposed to experience one another. I should expect, if you're a believer, I should expect to experience from you encouragement and edification. Yes. Isn't there just something about hanging out with your friends that also love Jesus? Amen. You know, sometimes I find it hard. You know, I'll be in a space where I'm just, you know, maybe down and I'm struggling to, Find the bridegroom. Where's God at? What's he doing? What's he saying? So I go hold on to the bride for a little bit. He's right here, actually. He's saying this, actually. He's spoken this, actually. He promised this, actually. And then I get motivated. I get re-energized, and I realize, oh, the bridegroom is not missing. He's not far away. I spend a little time with the bride. I recognize where he is again. Come on, read Ephesians chapter one. If you do, you'll go through Ephesians chapter one, first 12 verses of scripture, and you're gonna see all of the blessed benefits that come as a result of faith in the bridegroom. Yeah. But there is a portion of your inheritance that is hidden in the bride. Verse 18, according to the riches of glory that are in the saints. According to the riches of his glory that are in the saints. That means a portion of my inheritance is hidden in the heart of the bride. I get most of my inheritance by faith in the bridegroom, but there is a portion that has been hidden that I have to love out of you if I'm going to walk in the fullness of my purpose. See, the person sitting next to you has got something you need. That's why I've, I've realized, after nine years of marriage, I realized sometimes the answer to my prayer is in my wife's mouth. Lord, speak to me. He's like, dummy, I done spoke to you through your wife last week. Oh, yeah, that's right. She did say that. <laughs> I'm helping the married people in here this morning. I'm telling you right now. I done got you a sex date set up. I got you. Hey, man, you, you need to come to church more often. Look at your neighbor and say, come to church more often. Hey, hey. <laughs> All right, people builders, they first encourage. Everybody say encourage. encourage. And secondly, they edify. Everybody say edify. edify. Let's look at uh, encouragement from the dictionary. It's not really any different than the Bible dictionary, so I just went with the Webster's. The action, everybody say action. action. Encouragement is an action. You have to understand, encouragement is not passive. Well, yeah, I encourage you. I encourage you. Encouragement is actually an action. It is intentionality. It is saying, I am going to give you support. I'm gonna bear your burden with you. I'm gonna give you some confidence. I'm gonna tell you I believe in you. God believes in you. And I'm gonna give you some hope. 
Listen, don't give up. Keep walking. Keep your head up. Keep going. God has spoken. He's not a man that he should lie. He will come through for you. That is what encouragement looks like, both in the culture and in the Bible. But if you look at the word for encouragement in the Greek, it paints this beautiful picture. Now, I'm going to try to say it in the Greek, but I'm going to mess it up. Parakaleo. How'd that go? You guys want to try it with me? Parakaleo. Parakaleo. Maybe you've heard kaleo before, because I think that's a Greek term that, I don't know, probably a coffee shop is named or something. It just seems like something we would do as Christians. I'm part of that kaleo community. You know what I mean? Like we, man, we come up with some good names for churches. Where do you go? I go to kaleo. Okay, okay, what's that? That's true, isn't it? We do some funny things. Christians do some funny things. I'm going to read another word in a little bit, and it's another funny word that we like to use, but I'll get there in a second. So parakaleo, right? So the word para means to stand beside. All right, it means with. Okay, with. So if I'm going to encourage you, I'm going to have to be with you. If biblically, the word means to stand with somebody, then in order to encourage you, I've got to be with you. That means in order to discourage you, I've got to step away. Encouragement requires proximity. Discouragement demands distance. So the Bible says para, what does that mean? Beside, with, 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 right? Kaleo, what's kaleo mean? Kaleo means to call to, call to. More specifically, call to God's truth. Call to God's truth about the person. That means if I am to encourage you biblically, I've got to stand with you, and I've got to call to God's truth about you. And that's what encouragement looks like biblically. That means if I'm going to encourage you biblically, I must do two things. Number one, I must be devoted. Everybody say devoted. devoted. And number two, I must have discernment. Everybody say discernment. Because I'm going to stand with you. I'm devoted to you. I'm going to encourage you. You're my man. I ain't going to let you go. You're my sis. I've grabbed a hold of you. I ain't going to let you walk away. I ain't going to let you move away from your destiny. I ain't going to let you abandon the promises that God has spoken over your life. I'm devoted to you. I'm going to hold on to you. And whenever the lies and the temptation comes from the enemy, I'm going to call out to God's truth. You remember when God told you this? You remember when we were in that worship night that one year in college and God spoke that to you? You remember whenever that man came through and prophesied to you? Do you remember whenever you were in the Word and God told you you were going to do that? That's what God has to say about you. You're an amazing man of God. You're an amazing woman of God. You are blessed and highly favored. You are the head and not the tail. You're the lender, not the borrower. Just use all that. Because it's all God's truth. That's what it looks like to biblically encourage somebody. So I've got to have some discernment if I'm going to encourage you because I have to know what God has to say about you. What I've noticed is that it's very easy to like just let people sit in their mess when I have not prayed for them and I have no idea what God is speaking about them. Well, that's what they get. That's what they get. Okay, well, what did God say? <laughs> what is God saying? What has he been speaking about that person? Because you as an encourager are supposed to say, man, I ain't gonna leave you. I know you messed up, but I ain't gonna leave you. You know why I ain't gonna leave you? Because God ain't gonna leave you. I ain't going to let you go because Jesus ain't going to let you go. When's the last time Jesus ever said to you, this is the last time I'm going to clean up your mess? Yeah. I ain't never. He ain't never done did it. He ain't never going to do it. Never did it once. I ain't never going to do it ever, ever. <laughs> ever, 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 ever. He said, I am with you. I will leave you, not forsake you. Even to the end of the age, I'm going to be with you. That is the type of people builder that we are called to be, just like Jesus you know, in the Old Testament, God would actually judge leaders that were not faithful to encourage his people. Wow. Zechariah chapter 10, verse 2 says this, Therefore the people wander like sheep. They are afflicted. Why? For the lack of an encourager. It's the same word. For the lack of an encourager. You know what that tells me? That a person will wander without purpose when they lack encouragement. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but we do absolutely have a whole lot of folks that are suffering without an encourager. 
And so they've lost or forsaken their identity. They're wandering away from their purpose. They're disheartened, they're disconnected, and they're lonely, which is why God said, you must be a people builder. You must be faithful to follow after that sheep and let them know you don't have to wander anymore because I'm gonna stay with you, I'm devoted, I've heard from God on your behalf, and I'm gonna tell you the, God's truth about you. In Psalm chapter 69, verse 20, God said, I find no comforters. Same word for encourager. God's judgment falls on people who are called by his name that refuse to encourage his flock. Encouragement matters. Everybody say it matters. Encouragement truly helps one another. It helps to build up one another. And that's where I'm gonna spend the rest of my time talking about edification. All right, because it's one thing to encourage. That's part A of our job description. It's another thing to edify. I gotta, I gotta be devoted. I've gotta discern the voice of the Lord over your life. I've gotta remind you of God's truth in your life. I've gotta be devoted. I've gotta be discerning. But also, over here, I've gotta build up. I've gotta add strength. I've got to push you forward. That's what it looks like to be a people builder. Let's look at the definition of edification. Dictionary of Bible Themes, I really love this resource, and this is almost as if it comes from Scripture itself because it does a great job at um, rounding out what it looks like to biblically edify, all right? Let's read it together. The building up and strengthening in the faith of believers and churches. Believers are strengthened by God and are urged to, to build up one another. There's our phrase, alelon. The church is edified through God's Word, number one, through the Holy Spirit, Number two, and the proper use of spiritual gifts. Number three, through the church's appointed ministries. Number four, and through the mutual love. Number five, support and encouragement of its members. That is edification from a biblical perspective. Now, let me give you the Greek term. All right, I'm gonna mess this one up. Oikodomio. You guys wanna try it out? Oikodomio, you got it. Anybody ever heard the Greek word oikos? You definitely heard that one. If you ain't heard kaleo, you've heard of oikos. Isn't there a yogurt called oikos? That's what I thought, man. You wanna know what oikos means in Greek? It means house. So you're eating house yogurt. I don't know what that means. I don't know the significance of it, but I'm gonna eat it prophetically from now on. The Lord's gonna build his church. Build it. I'm... I, I, that's the only yogurt I'm eating from now on is Oikos yogurt, bless God, because it's a biblical yogurt, bless God. Hey. <laughs> um, oikodomio. All right, you know what it means? By definition, it means to build a house. In context, you know what it means? To build up a person's character. Everybody say character. character. To build up a person's character. It is the exact same word, by the way, whenever Jesus said, I will build my church, I will oikodomio, my church, my house, my oikos, my house, I will build my house. It's the exact same uh, phrase that is used whenever Jesus instructs us. Do not build, oikodomio, your house on the sand. Build your house on the rock. Same exact uh, language there. And this is what Jesus does. Jesus is a people builder. I don't know about you, but I can testify to the reality that Jesus has been building me ever since the moment he found me. Building me up in my most holy faith. Teaches us, he teaches us to build ourselves up, right? In our most holy faith. Jesus is a builder. Jesus is actively, proactively building his church. And that does not mean that he's building a brand. That does not mean that he's building a franchise. That means that Jesus is actively, proactively building people. The church is made up of spiritual stones that are people. That's you. That's me. That's one another. That is alelon. That's how Jesus is building, and he's building daily, every single day. He's a builder of people. And we see that Jesus continues the work of God throughout the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God would build people by giving them strength. Anybody need strength in here today? Yeah. Let's look at a few scriptures real quick. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 16, it says, I will seek the lost, I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. Jesus, God in Ezekiel, Yahweh, if you will, 
God builds his people by giving them strength. I think this passage is prophetic for somebody in here. I don't know who in here feels as though they have strayed away from the purposes of God in their life, but I just believe in Jesus' name, God's led you to a church with a group of encouragers and people builders who's gonna stand with you in devotion and speak God's word over your life. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says this. You know, oh, you guys know this one. That's what happens when you wait. You, all, you heard that song, man, I'm telling you. Sometimes my brother-in-law will just text each other. That's what happens when you wait. Just randomly. Just no context. <laughs> Amen. But, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They're going to get built up. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They shall receive strength from a God who is actively building them up. Yahweh builds his people by giving them strength in the Old Testament. Jesus builds his church by building his people in the New Testament. Let's look at 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men. Some of you will identify with this. And I was rejected by men, but how did God see Jesus? But in the sight of God, chosen and precious, that's who you are. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual oikos. You're being built up as a spiritual house to be what? A holy priesthood. Come on. To offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable. It's one thing to offer a sacrifice. It's another thing to offer an acceptable sacrifice, isn't it? That's why we ask this to Jesus. Jesus, what songs do you want to hear this weekend? Jesus, what, what, what are you doing here at Legacy? This is your church. I, I, I told somebody earlier, I said, you know, my leadership in this season has shifted from organizational to relational. Instead of like, hey, what's the best idea? I'm, I'm like, Jesus, what you want to build? We're, we're in. People are like, you should build. I, I don't care. What you want to build? Well, let, let, me, let, me, let me tell you what you should do, Pastor Lyle. Look, we're going to have a meeting. You, you need to sign this contract. You need to start recording these songs. You need to do this. You, we're going to get a marketing team. We're going to... Jesus, is that what you want to do? Yeah. Come on. I mean, if, if you do, we'll do that. But what do you want to build? Are, are you dreaming of that? Yeah. You don't like that? Okay, we're going to do that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hey, yeah. Jesus, what, what, what's going to bring you glory today? Yeah. What are you going to like? Yeah. What are you going to enjoy? This, this is your house. And he said, I'm going to build my house with spiritual stones that are people. Yeah. Have you ever tried to build a house without enough brick? It's going to falter. It's going to fall. And that's how some people come into church. They'll withhold themselves from contribution. Back to the team stuff. <laughs> Thinking, I don't matter. They don't need me. I don't need to sing. I don't need to step up. I don't need to help park cars. I don't need to serve. In they don't need me. No, no, listen. Jesus wants all the stones to build his house. He wants every single person. If you're not singing, the harmony's off. If you don't show up, we don't have enough brick for the foundation. If you're not present, I'm not talking about showing up and like, you know, doing the little time thing. Like, I'm a good person. I'm a moral guy. Uh, you know, I'm talking about like, you really come in and you're like, fit me in. You're building the house. Where, where you want to put me? You want to put me on first floor? You want to put me on second floor? Where you, where you want to fit me? And, and I, I would double-dog dare you as you approach serving this church, don't do so in a way that is, like, advantageous or ambitious. Do so in a way that's relational. Jesus, will you look at your blueprint? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Oh, I, don't, I don't really think I should run a camera. 
I don't know how to do that. Jesus is like, you know what? We're going to teach you how to run a camera in this season. I mean, listen, here's what I can guarantee you. The most blessing is attached to the obedience, not doing whatever it is that you think is your best idea. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, presence wins out over principles 100% of the time. It's always the case. All right, let's go to Ephesians 2, 19, 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God built, oikodomio, on the foundation of apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, that relational thing, that's making Jesus the cornerstone. Jesus is not an ornament. He's a cornerstone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because, <laughs> I mean, if we approach church as a brand, right, we take symbols, we exalt them, show them off as to be nostalgic or sentimental about Jesus while we do what we want to do. How many of you guys know that being sentimental about Jesus is, can be the religious way of ignoring him? I think Jesus said, you honor me with your lips, but actually your hearts are far from me. Right? So this is the house that Jesus is building. He said it's being joined together. It grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you are also being built together, one another, into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the reason why we're about to paint on the bridge out there, God is here. <laughs> Literally, what we want you to experience more than anything else when you come in here is like, God's here. Because <laughs> if he's here, you won't care who's leading worship. If he's here, you won't care who's preaching. If he's here, you ain't going to care about the coffee. Uh, I'm, I'm, all right, I, I, I'm going to wrap up with, with some real quick points. Can you handle it? Okay. I'm only saying that because of time, not the points, okay? Don't be afraid of the points. Uh, we must be people builders. Romans 12 teaches us this. Romans 15, actually. Romans 15, 2. Let us each please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Oikodomio. Romans 14, 19. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Oikodomio. This means people building. This is what Jesus did. Therefore, this is what we must do. So let me teach you real quick, real quick. I'm gonna move fast. How to become a people builder. Are you ready? If you're taking notes, I got six Quick points for you. Number one is this. We build people with the Bible. Listen, I know this is controversial. I, what? We build people with the Bible. Here's why. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete. You know what that word complete means? Built up. That they may be built up, equipped for every good work. That's why we use the scripture. You know why? Because my opinion's not transformative. Some people are like, Pastor, what do you think about marriage? Who cares? What does God think? My opinion doesn't really matter that much because you can't build your life on my opinion. If you endure the storms of life, and you're in the boat, you're like, man, things is getting kind of crazy. I'm gonna hold on to Pastor Lyle's opinion. That, 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 that ship is gonna sink 10 times out of 10, man, I'm telling you right now. The devil ain't afraid of your pastor's opinion. <laughs> if you're coming, if the enemy's coming against you, don't shout into the darkness, my opinion. You know why? Because it ain't got no kind of power. You know what you shout? The word of God. Here's what God said. Here's what God has said. I hear you, Satan. It is written. Yeah, 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 but, but, yeah, I hear. It is written. Yeah, but what about that? It is written. 
if Jesus could use the Bible to overcome the enemy, how much more powerful is it for us to use God's word to overcome the enemy? My opinion ain't gonna save you, man. It ain't gonna help you. It's the word of God, man, that causes the devil to tremble. Demons knees to knock together. Hell to get turned upside down. Hold on, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. They got the word of God in their mouth. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It ain't just an opinion this time. They're coming with truth, capital T. Listen, I'm telling you the truth, man. I, every time I ask God, I want to get closer to you. You know what he leads me to? The Bible. I just noticed that. I'm like, God, I want to get closer to you. And I'm like, how much more should I pray? He's like, come pray with the Bible. I, is, that, is that the case for you guys? I want to be a better discipler. What do I tell so-and-so? Well, in the word, listen, you, when, you build, when you build your life on what God has spoken, you'll be able to endure the storms of life when they come against you. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of God shall stand forever, right? And, and, and really, that, that connects with number two. We build people by helping them discern the voice of God because the word of God is both written and spoken. And so it's not just about quoting scripture because we can do that without faith, but I'm talking about what God has spoken to you in the secret place of prayer. What has God said over your life? We build people by reminding them, hey, God is speaking to you. He wants to talk to you. He has spoken to you. Let me remind you of what he has said. Build your life on that, Acts 20, 22. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. When you go through some stuff, don't pick up your phone and call your favorites list. Kneel down in prayer and ask God what he's speaking. What are you saying, God? What are you saying, God? And here's how to be a good mentor. Here's how to be a good encourager. Man, I'm having a problem. What's God saying? Oh, I haven't prayed. Hang up. Pray. Call me back. <laughs> My wisdom is not as good as his. And I was in the middle of a movie. Point three, we build people by encouraging them to be filled with the Holy Ghost. All right, listen, I'm not going to hold back from this. You need to be baptizing the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues as the Spirit has given you utterance because that is how you build yourself up in your holy faith. I'm telling you, it's like an engine, man. Like, if you don't know what to pray, just start praying in the Spirit and let the Spirit intercede through you. Every single person sitting in the upper room, including the mother of Jesus, Mary, all his brothers, all of his disciples, they all spoke in tongues. Every single person that wrote the New Testament scripture in the Bible, they all spoke in tongues. Listen, if they did it and they needed it, you do it, you need it. I'm telling you, just do it. Do it! All right? Okay. That's point four. Um, point four, we, <laughs> hey, thank you, Father. No, no, you need a scripture on that. Ephesians 3, 16, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened. Do you know what that word is? Built up with what? Power, dunamis, supernatural power through his spirit in your inner being. If you can't solve a problem, pray in tongues. I'm telling you, it'll come to you. Yeah. Try it out. Try it out. Yeah. Give it a shot. All right? Number four, we build people by healthily operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Keyword, healthily. Yeah. Right? Romans 1 and 11, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. Why? To strengthen you. Know what that word strengthen means? You, you, you already know it. Oikodomio, build up. I'm an I'm a impartation. It's the laying on of hands. Hey, if, you, if you're struggling today, and you need to come up. We'll have a prayer line here in a second. You need to use a prayer. People are going to be ready to pray for you when we're a badge. They operate healthily in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And they're going to lay hands on you, and they're going to impart strength. That's what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. The one who prophesies does what? Builds up the church. Don't despise spiritual gifts, my brethren, but that all of you shall prophesy. Why? Because it oikodomios the church. Yeah. Number five, we build people by bringing them to church. 
Well, I, I snuck this one in. I didn't have any scripture for it. No, I'm just kidding. I do, actually. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 12, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For what? Building, oikodomio, the church, the body of Christ. That means, listen, if you got a friend that's going through some stuff, talk to him, pray for him, prophesy over him, read him the Bible, remind them of the word of God, lay hands on him, pray over him, do all the stuff, and you know what else? Bring him to church. There's something special that happens in the sanctuary. I don't know how to explain it, but God decides to show up here faithfully every week. I don't know about you, but I just want to be where God is. And if he's here, why not come? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you were, if you were interested in dating somebody, you, you might conveniently show up where you know they'd be. I mean, you're not stalking them. You just saw on Facebook that they were going to be at that particular place with some mutual friends, and so you decided on that night you'd also go and get fresh in a new outfit and spray on some new fragrance. I didn't know you were going to be here. What's up, man? Do you come here often? It's good to see you. Yeah, I didn't even know. I used to do my wife like that before we were married. Hey, you come here all the time. I, I, I didn't know you were going to be here. I, did. I, did. I knew you were going to be here. If Jesus comes here every Sunday, and in churches all throughout the city, I'm not just saying legacy, I'm saying church, if Jesus shows up faithfully to his own house, it's like a guaranteed opportunity to hear from him. You know what? I haven't heard from them in a while, but they are. They're hearing from them. She is. She's here. I'm going to go get in the atmosphere. If that's where he hangs out, I'm going to show up. Jesus, you come here all the time? Yeah, I do. This is your house? Yeah, it is. I'm going to hang out here. All right, it's the last one. <laughs> right? I mean, I, you read through the Psalms, man. Listen to David. Oh, my soul yearns for the sanctuary. Oh. I'm in a distant land right now. I'm in the middle of war. Oh, my heart is poured out. Oh, the days when I used to lead the processional, when I used to come into the house of God with singing and with dancing and with worship. Oh, I can't wait. Like a deer that pants for the water brooks. So my soul thirsts after the living God. I want to be wherever he is. Last one, most important one. We build people by loving them well. Another uh, passage from Ephesians 4. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, the Christ, into whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint for with, it, with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow that it builds itself, oikodomio, up in love. 1 Corinthians 8 and 1 says, love builds up. If you don't know how to build somebody up, if you don't know how to edify them at all, all you've got is your love, God says, I'll take it. That's enough. Just love them from a pure heart. If you don't know how to solve a particular problem, add love to it. This problem seems too big for me. God says, add love to it. I don't know how to overcome these marriage struggles. God says, add love to it. I don't know how to deal with this distance between me and my kids. God says, add love to it. I don't know how to reach my coworker with the gospel. God says, add love to it. And if you don't love them, pray till you love them. Pray till your heart breaks for them. Pray till you, pray till you, you can't help but to pray. Pray until you wake up in the middle of the night thinking about them because you know they're distant from him and you feel what he's feeling for their soul. If it ain't working, just add love to it. If your relationship with Jesus ain't working, just add love to it. All I got is this little love. It ain't a whole lot. It's like Jesus looking at the little lunch, you know, that Long John Silver's kids meal. He said, he said hey, all you got is a little fish, you got a little loaves. That's going to be enough. The enemy tries to convince us that weak love is no love, but love the size of a mustard seed. God said, that's going to be enough. I'm just adding love to it. That's what builds us up. So, Lord, we thank you for the season of growing down in our relationships. 
I know as we're praying that there'll be an opportunity for you to kind of duck out, but I just want to ask you, please don't do that, just for a moment, if you don't mind. Um, we're going to pray. and If you would, just close your eyes and bow your heads. Just take a single moment here. I want to invite anybody in the room. You do not know Jesus, and you are far from God. If that's you, will you just lift your hand real quick? I just want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. I see you awesome. Is there anybody else? We want to welcome you into the fellowship of one another. If that's you, don't even think twice about it. Just say, yeah, that's me. I want Jesus today. Let's pray with those that have lifted their hands. One another. We say, Jesus. I love you. I repent of my sins. And I turn from my ways. And I receive your grace for my salvation. I love you. And forever and ever, I belong to you. If you prayed that prayer today, that's just the start. That's what Romans says. If you believe in your heart and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, that you shall receive the free gift of eternal salvation. That's the start. And here in a moment, we're gonna have a prayer team down here and Kristen and Cooper will be about right here. And if you said that prayer today, I want you to come down. I want you to meet them. We got a Bible for you. We wanna get your name. We wanna connect with you. We wanna enter you into a process of growing in your faith as a disciple of Jesus. You have a family. You have a home. You have a community, the type of family that wants to receive what God has to say about one another. Thank you for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, make sure you log into the store and give us a good review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Join us again next week for another powerful word.